Hello and welcome along to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. If you've been struggling with anxiety or know someone who has been, then this podcast is for you. Today, we're going to be covering some more tips, strategies, and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve. Ready? Let's dive in. If listening to the podcast, you realize that you really want to work on some of your own anxiety, that it's become an issue in your life, it's affecting your functioning, then I would really encourage you to jump on my masterclass on how to reduce your anxiety. This is the best place to start. I cover what the journey looks like, how moving through anxiety works, and the mistakes people make that really hold them back. So click the link in the show notes to be able to come and join me on that masterclass. And I'm really excited to help you to start overcoming your own anxiety. Kalina is a young entrepreneur who loves to help people with their personal growth and educate others about the deaf community. Little do people know that Kalina is a hard of hearing person. She became deaf at the age of four. She recently graduated with a psychology degree and is now starting her own online coaching business while launching her book. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Likewise, I've read through your book and so I've got lots of questions. So let's dive in. And But to start with, I really would love for you to share your story with our audience. What has been your journey to get to where you are today? And specifically, what anxiety have you had to work through to get here? So my story, really, honestly, Started when I became deaf at the age of four. It was a very difficult challenge just because I'm the first person in my family who is deaf. And the way I became deaf was very unfortunate. So that would kind of trigger my family a lot because they didn't know what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And because I had an ear infection and I would prescribe an eardrop, at the time I was attending to daycare. Yeah. They could, did not follow the instruction for my eardrop. That same day, I became deaf. I was on my way home. I could hear until I got home. I was watching TV. And I was sitting down, just watching TV. The loud, the sound was loud. The volume was loud. My mom came, reached out to me, and I didn't hear her until she tapped on my shoulder. And literally, I just jumped. And I just looked at my mom, like, literally dead in the face. And she was just like, Hello? Kalina. And I'm like, huh? And I just looked at her and I told her, like, I can't hear you, mom. And she's like, but you can hear the TV or something. I don't even remember what she said to me, honestly. And she called my grandmother, who was the nurse at the time, and then mom, like, Kalina can't hear me. Like, like, can you please come home? Like, my mom was really, like, really stressed out. And my mom was a young mom, too. So she was freaking out. And luckily, my grandma was able to leave the hospital very quickly to come home to me really do assessments and try to find out what was going on with my ears. And I couldn't hear my grandma's voice either. My grandma thought something was off. And she called my family doctor that two minutes later, my grandma said, okay, come tomorrow. And so we went to my family doctor and they said, I'm so sorry, it's too late. There's nothing we can do for cleaner. And it was very frustrating for my mom and my grandma because they don't know what to do. They never met someone that was deaf. They never, they didn't know what to do. And, you know, it's very devastating for a young mom. You know, and my mom was a single mom at the time too. And it was very devastating. And she didn't know what to do. So luckily we built a really good close relationship with my audiologist until this day. I have a lovely relationship with them. And they were able to provide support to my mom and resources as well. So it was very challenge when I first got my hearing aid because I did lose a lot of self-esteem and develop anxiety, especially for a four years old. I used to put my hearing in the garbage. I used to lie that I'm sick. Uh, yeah, that I don't go to school. And luckily, I was able to attend to two schools. I was able to attend to the deaf school and the hearing school at the same time. Right. So that way I can balance my communication style with both community. Right. And it was very good. However, it was not good because... I felt like I was two different person. Right, yeah. Being able to really be in the middle and kind of understand who I am. And I did have a difficult time who I was. Why am I two different person, two different community? And I picked that up pretty young. 
And I told my mom and my dad, I said, why did God give me this gift? Why did he do this to me? Mm. And, you know, I did have a lot of doubts in myself, especially being the hair in school, because a lot of teachers were not acceptable for me. They didn't know what to do. And it's unfortunate. Right. As a teacher, I had to advocate for myself in the classroom for a young age. Yeah. And I felt like now that I'm 25 years old, I'm looking back like, you're a teacher. You should have known what to do because mm-hmm. they teach accommodation in a teacher college. You know, it's kind of unfortunate that there's lack of uh, support and resources for me in the hearing school versus the deaf school. Right. And that's how really, honestly, how I started in my life. It really, it was because I started two different schools and literally trying to understand who I was. But if it wasn't for my family, I wouldn't be here right now. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was by pushing me moving forward. But again, the type of anxiety I really had was being confident to speak. I right. used to have delay in speech just because I became deaf. So the sound I would hear with my hearing aid versus without my hearing aid when I was four years old. But because I already developed my speech and all that, by the time I was four, my hearing and the way I pick up words would be different versus my hearing aid. Right. So that's given me a lot of anxiety to speak to someone who's hearing who may not understand like especially with the way I pronounce certain words, may not come out correct for the hearing community. So right. I used to be afraid of speaking a lot of time versus the deaf school. So that was like literally the type of anxiety I would have. That opening up to other people who might judge that different way of speaking. Yeah. Yes. I can hear that divide between the two different communities is there quite a separation, do you find, between the deaf community and the hearing community? I would say, honestly, it, I don't know how to put it in the term. I really don't know how to. I still try to figure out to this day. It was, a, it was a good experience for me to really understand that everybody communicate in a different way. Mm-hmm. So that was something I definitely learned a lot when I was growing up. It gave me that, I would say, that unique, not give, but a unique way of just really learning that everybody's different and I'm able to navigate that. So that was something I love with the two community, the two school. One thing that I was also just hit me was you had anxiety about speaking to hearing communities and now you're going on podcasts internationally. Can you tell me how that you linked that gap? Because that's quite a big gap to leap going from anxiety about speaking to speaking on podcasts explain to me tell me more honestly I didn't think my life would go this far (laughs) that's one two I actually met my mentor actually oh my gosh she's amazing to me and I remember her and I met through a day training program and at the time you know when you're young you're a teenager you want to make fast money I was that type of girl and she was telling me she met me we talked and she realized that I um I was deaf because I, my ears were showing at the time. And she was asking me, like, Can you know, are you hard of hearing or are you deaf? Or if you don't mind me asking. I told her, yeah, I am. You know, I became deaf at age four and I was telling my story. And she was like, you need to go on podcast. I'll be your mentor. I was like, excuse me? And she's like, no, like, you need to be stuff out there. Like, this is a very unique story that parents and teachers and those around you to be inspired by your story because you don't hear that type of story ever, especially now the way this generation is going. There's not a lot of disability reputation. And she's like, can you imagine if you become the first disability reputation, especially for the new generation and ongoing generation? And I just thought to myself, hmm, maybe I should do that. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. I was very suspicious because I was, like again, like I am super nervous to talk to hearing community. And I realized, and she hit me, and she said, you have to keep going because you just never know who's going to want to hear your story and who you're going to save. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow. That's, mm-hmm. That was really powerful when she said to me. I said, okay, you know what? Maybe I can keep going. I, and she said, give it a one year. Please, just give it one year. Entrepreneurship, it's not an easy road. She told me that straight up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. And so she suggested me to hop on an audio app called Clubhouse. And yes. even though Clubhouse was not acceptable at the time, 
And then after when I started to feel a lot more comfortable being audio, meeting different hand community. And after two, when I ran into this lady, I showed her my story. I think it was for a celebrity. It was like a clubhouse room for all celebrities to listen to a story to turn into like a show script or movie script or something like that. And I said, okay, I joined the room. And that one night I was super bored and I was just on clubhouse. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going to speak on my story. When I tell you all, when I told them my story, oh my goodness. I think I won like two seconds. I told them my story and they could tell my voice that I was so like, I've been through so much. And they're like, we never hear that story, Kalina. Like, you have to keep going. Even a celebrity told me to keep going. I was just like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was just <laughs> amazing because I want against, I think it was five or six people ahead of me and they loved my story. And I won. And I was just like, oh my God. And then there were people on Clubhouse mentioning me on the back channel. They like, keep going, keep going. You know, and it was very phenomenal how people were willing to support me, especially celebrities that would hear my story. And I remember this one guy, he's a producer, a writer, for, like, I don't remember. And he really loved my story. And he said, we'll be in touch, Kalina. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it inspired me to keep going and move forward. And it was funny because I did a podcast for a disability podcast, I think two or three. And there's one lady I did it for, and a mom was listening to my story, and she was bawling crying and she's like oh my god and this girl broke my heart my son is deaf oh. and i spoke what it's like to be deaf and on my own shoes and she needed that and i actually helped her a lot and she reached out to me on the back channel and we had conversation about her child it was just amazing oh that's so lovely what's coming up for me is that when your suffering becomes your purpose and when the hard things you go through aren't just hard things, but they actually lead to this rewarding, joyful experience of being able to provide something very valuable and helpful to the world. And I know I went through um, severe depression, anxiety, panic myself and um, for many years. And I remember just fighting to kind of get through it and to get better. And then feeling like, you know, when I finally got better, I was like, I've had to do all this work to get to where I am now. Like, why did I have to do this when other people have it so much easier? And then I went to this place where suddenly I was getting to a place where I was actually able to help other people. And I was like, wow, now all that suffering now has real meaning and purpose. And actually, I finally found the job and the thing I actually love and want to do. And it's, it's amazing when it came through. It's sounding like that might be your experience as well. Yeah, it's the same thing, honestly, because I didn't think that my disability had a purpose. I really didn't think of that, you know, and hmm. to this day, I was like, maybe it would nice to be. And I love that you were able to talk in another mum was able to then have deeper understanding for her child who's going through that struggle with deafness and it's been really lovely also reading your book for me because I had the experience of coming home one day um, my mother-in-law is amazing and she was tidying my house and I came home and she came up to me and she was yelling at me and she's going I can't hear anything I can't hear you I can't hear anything and about oh, a number of years earlier, she'd lost completely lost hearing in one of her ears. And an infection, I think, as well. It was When you said that, I was like, oh, I wonder if it was the same, similar thing. And then when I came around to the house, she'd completely gone in the other ear as well. And she'd gone just fully, fully deaf and couldn't hear anything. It was gone. Yeah. And... So it was quite an adjustment for our family to go, you know, to go from having her hearing to figuring out how to communicate and to be able to help her. I think it's really helpful for families because sometimes it can happen quite suddenly where someone loses their hearing and then suddenly the family doesn't understand what you need to do to support someone who's going through that. And that's what I love about your book, actually, is it's it's such a lovely way of 
letting people who are hearing into what that experience is like, what help and support is needed, and ways of communicating so that you can be included, especially like looking at you so you can see <laughs> the mouth moving. Um, if you're a lip reader and then in different, if you um, sign language. And I love how you say in your book how important it is to ask because some people who are deaf don't sign and some people <laughs> who are deaf um, read lips and some sign. So it's good to ask that. I'm just going to have a look at my questions before <laughs> we were at. But thank you so much for sharing your story. It's very inspiring. And I'm so excited for where you're going to go with this. Um, it sounds like there's so much possibility of great impact you can have in the world with stepping in by challenging your anxiety there. By doing something, what's the thing that you were scared of has now led you to something really exciting. And that's why I love to encourage people to challenge anxiety because it can lead to these sort of experiences, which is so cool. You do talk about feeling hopeless early in your book. You write, sometimes I sit in the dark wondering to myself, why was I born this way? Why can't I be like everybody else? This is not fair. I never asked to be born this way. What has your journey working through this looked like, that hopelessness side of things? Is it still something you feel at times? What do you do when that feeling this way and when you're having those sort of thoughts? I do still sometimes. I'm not going to lie to anybody. It took me years to overcome the anxiety, depression. It took time. Really, honestly, sometimes my family don't know mm. that I'm in the dark. I guess when you get older, especially something you're so used to on your own, and you're not used to having someone that looks like you and you can't talk to them, Sometimes the time where like my family could talk, mm, yeah, and I don't have to tell them, and they would say you're okay, yeah, and they're like, I don't see, I just have a rough day, yeah. There's days where when you interact with the community, especially daily basis, especially because sometimes I need support, yeah. Especially for example, if you go on road or if you go to a gas station, you can't hear them, yeah. And you're asking them to repeat themselves and they're verbally aggressive. Like, hello, can you not hear me? You know, they may shout at me sometimes. Especially when I'm at myself. Because it's stuck that I may need support. You know, it's not easy for someone who has to have that support. Especially when they lose that independent, right? And especially getting older, you want to have that independent. You don't have to run, rely on your family, your friends. And that's something it took me years to get to. Yeah. And to understand that it's okay that you might need help. Yeah. And that was something I always face sometimes, especially during COVID now. Yes. The masks. <sighs> the masks, yeah. Just on the mask, can you just for a moment tell people who are hearing and by wondering why the masks is such a challenge, can you just explain and t say more about why the masks are such a challenge if you're struggling with hearing? Definitely. The mask is very difficult for a lot of deaf or hard of hearing community. It's because, one, the mask is covering your lips. So a lot of people who are deaf and hard of hearing really need to see your lips. Two, the volume, right? right? Sometimes the masks prevent the volume and the vibration coming outside of the mask. So it's very difficult to communicate was a hard of hearing a deaf person and also too it's very difficult because a lot of people are super nervous to take off their mask right. and some people don't understand how to communicate especially myself when I first started for example I went to the gas station by myself and you know everybody's wearing masks and I'm just like oh, shit yeah I mean how am I supposed to hear this person and I will have to tell them through my phone saying, I am deaf. I need you to write something down for me, please. Yeah. And it was a very constant advocating that I have done in my life for two years straight because COVID was here for two years. Yeah. And it was definitely a big struggle. Yeah. So challenging. And with that fear as well, because there's fear element as well, I imagine the responses, because when people are afraid, sometimes they can turn to anger. And so did you find sometimes people could get a bit aggravated when you were wanting those things? Of course, 100%. So many times. I can't even count. Right, yeah. That makes a lot of sense with the fear. The fear and anger is such, they're so interchangeable. 
it makes a lot of sense when you're saying that people would get angry around that and that would make it so much more difficult as well if you're knowing that you potentially by asking for what you need heading into conflict must be quite challenging exactly exactly and it shouldn't have to be that way especially when someone approaching you and again there's some ignorant people out there that you really have to take yourself away from that person like you know why there are other better people out there that are willing to Comedy, and that was something I learned very quickly because I actually quit a job during COVID right. because my boss was not acceptable. Yeah. I used to work in the grocery store, and she was definitely not acceptable at all. Yeah. And it was funny because when I got hired, she said, "Oh, why did you not tell me your death during the interview? Are you serious? Why do I need to tell you that?" Yeah. And because she realized that I was deaf during COVID time, and I said, "Hey, I'm completely deaf. If you're trying to call me, I need you." come to me directly or tap me on the shoulder yeah. while I'm on catch because there's too many scans going on, especially when you're scanning. See, see, see. Yeah. So there's a lot of sound coming. So I won't be able to hear the background noise. Absolutely. And I remember she was calling me across the store. Imagine you guys, I told her to come to me. Oh my gosh. And yeah, and one of the co-workers, my neighbor was on catch. She's like, oh, can you like... The boss is calling you. I'm like, why is he calling me across the store? I told her I'm deaf. Uh, and then she's like, I don't know. She's calling you. That's so frustrating. Yeah. And she was very disrespectful. Mm. And I quit. And I said, I'm quitting. And I guess for like a week or two weeks, a week just to like really pick it up. And I'm trying to talk to her about it. And she was not getting it. Yeah. And I ended up quitting. Yeah. yeah. Right so frustrating when you communicate what you need which is understandable that you would need that and then people not registering and not following through with that must be so frustrating it is around asking for help it's so interesting what you were saying about as an adult you so want your independence and how it's really hard when you have to ask for support and losing that ability to do things yourself I was um, in a wheelchair for about three months at the end of my pregnancy with one of my sons. And it was a, a short period of time, but it gave me a, a bit of a glimpse into the experience of losing my ability to do things independently. I couldn't move more than a couple of meters without assistance. And it's really hard to let go of that, especially as an adult. And I find it really interesting, the idea that there is this thing where we need to be able to give um, help without judging other people. We need to be able to accept it ourselves. One of the things about help is, I don't know if you know Brene Brown. She's one of my favorite speakers and she she's a researcher and she does shame and vulnerability. And she talks about how if you can't accept help without judgment, then when you're giving it, you're not giving it without judgment. And so one of those things I had to learn going through depression, anxiety, having to ask for help as well, how do you find in terms of letting go of that judgment of yourself when you have to ask for help? Where do you think you're at with that? I don't let it go. Mm, yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. It's going to take time. Yeah. Like I tell people, uh, but it's called baby steps. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I do is understand that there are other people on the wall. There's billions of people on the wall. Mm. That's the one thing I have to tell myself. There's so many people on the wall. That's one. Mm. Two, I tell myself, it's okay. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And there is a lot of lack of education about the deaf community. Yes. And that's why a lot of people are not aware about the deaf community. And that's why a lot of people are not aware how to be acceptable. Mm. And I have to keep that in mind yeah. consistently. So by the time, I, day by day, I take baby steps and I realize. And I realized the difference, right? When you take baby steps instead of taking a big step. Yeah. And that's the problem nowadays is that people take the big step. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm taking a baby step yeah. and I'm going my own pace. Yeah. And everybody's pace is different. Yeah. And I remember I have a deaf friend and she would put out. I don't know how she does it. She interacts with the hand community like it's no problem. <laughs> and I'm like, how does she do that? And I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized that everybody's pace in life is very different. Yes. And it's good to, I love how you see it that way, that you're on a journey and that the steps along the way and developing that. That's really cool. Oh, I'm interested to look at, to talk about 
So in your book, you talk about don't treat me differently because I'm deaf. What does being treated differently look like for you? And in what ways do you want to be treated the same? Are there things that you need that are different with being deaf that might involve being treated differently? So I wanted to tease out because I know there's certain ways like you would want to be treated differently in terms of people looking at you when they speak. What are the things that when you're saying I don't want to be treated differently, what are you meaning by that? Can you elaborate? Definitely. When I ask someone to accommodate me, it's a whole next story. Mm. And when you have to consistently tell them, hey, you're not being accessible, or hey, I need cold traction, or hey, I need that, they are not consistent. Mm. They are willing to help the first time. Yeah. However, the next time comes, they're not doing it. And you're like, I'm being asking. And then they're like, oh, well, you should have said something, or you should. I'm like, well, I just told you that. Yeah. So that was the problem what I was facing with that people are not being consistent. People would say, yeah, I'm a stuff But then I'm like, no, you're not. Mm. You did it one time of your life. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and that's why I feel like I've been treated different when you keep bugging them about being acceptable and they kind of push you in the rug and you're like, what's the point? And it happened to me before. And I remember, I think it was for school. There's a great example. School. Mm. You know, a music teacher built me. And I've been asking him about being acceptable in terms of not allowing me to listen to music with part of the test. Mm. So I said, instead of listening, can I just do a written test? Mm. And so I had a disability counselor who was on stand with me about my accommodation, trying to speak to him about it. Yeah. And I felt like he just put me underneath the rug and didn't bother giving me accommodation. Right. Had required. He didn't do that. Yeah. And I kept asking and asking and asking. And all of a sudden, he started seeing me different. And every time I asked him for help, he's like, oh, I'm leaving. Cut and. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I actually failed the course. Right. Yeah. The frustration. I can hear that. One, people going, oh, I need this. And they're doing, okay. And they do it. And it's like, no, it's not the one time. And if they're not going to do it the next time. It's not like, I just need this once, and then all the other times, I, I will yeah. like <laughs> Exactly. It sounds so frustrating, because it sounds like you're trying to set up a precedent of, this is what I need ongoing. And people are hearing, I'm going to give this to you once, and then get frustrated when you ask for it again. Ah, it feels maddening. Yeah? Believe me. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, it was very frustrating until I got that final grade. Yeah. And when I thought I failed, then I was just like, I stood up told myself, I'm not the part. So I had my disability counselor. <laughs> she was not having it. She was fighting for that grade to be removed from my scratch grade because she said that it's BS. Yeah. We keep emailing you. We keep asking you. And then you want to give a student a fail? Yeah. Because he thought that I was taking advantage of my accommodation. That's exactly what he said in the email. So frustrating. So frustrating. I, yeah. I just, I don't even have words for the frustration. Like, I don't even have, I don't have words. It's just like, scream your lungs out into a pillow. Frustrating. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's funny, too, because my mom was super mad. Like, had I brought mom to always consistently, like, trying to make sure their child is stable, especially in school and education system. And your mom, you're not a baby no more, especially when you go to post-secondary. You're on your own, right? And it's very frustrating for her because she, and I'm the first generation in my family that attends university in my family. Yeah, so it's very, um, (laughs) it was important for me to pass and graduate. It was very important to me and I worked really hard. But for that one professor to fail me not understanding how much I suffer and how much I struggle, it was like a big slap in the face, yes. really. Yeah, absolutely. And But I want to give props to you for fighting and going through the process to get through the course and come out the other side. You know, with the challenges that you had, you still did it. So you had the challenges with school that you shared and 
can you share with us how you stuck with it to get through the decree with that sort of frustrating obstacles in your way how did you stay in there keep going and come out the other side and graduate like how did you do that um the major support I have for my disability cancer she read the Marlboro I couldn't thank her enough to the point where I wanted to give her like a really big present my final year I couldn't because she was just like no <laughs> you were the first student that you did it you're the first admission in your family and she said nothing more I want from you was to graduate on time because a lot of students who have a disability take time to graduate mm. from university and college yeah. because it takes them longer yeah but I was able to graduate on time wow it was very fine for her to really help me with that uh, um second I actually met deaf professor too oh wow he was my math teacher yes it was such a phenomenal story ever I had no idea he was deaf oh my god how did I not know <laughs> so he was in the middle of the lecture let me had his finger one moment please I mean the class looked at each other like something going on and she he did no class I'm gonna change my hair and a battery give me one second please my mouth dropped. I'm like, wait, you're deaf too? And you're faster? No. I'm like, I have to talk to this guy after class. And mind you, I didn't know until middle of the semester that he was deaf. Wow. That was insane. Wow. And I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, give me more motivation to finish school university because someone like myself was able to do it too. Mm. And we had that amazing conversation after class and I asked him wow you did it too and he said what are you talking about and then I was like I'm deaf too and he said you're deaf too and I'm like what and I'm like yeah <laughs> and we had a meeting conversation about you know self-esteem and school and we were talking I was telling him my story with the music teacher and then he was literally told me I would never forget to this day code by code you just never know who needs you. You just never know. Just like the way you came with my lecture. Imagine if I even paused the lecture by saying, I need to take my hair in your back. Wow, yeah. And you came to me and said you're deaf. Imagine you do that to someone else. Can you imagine being that? You give that someone a hope. Yeah. And moving forward. And I just give you hope. And yeah. I need you to keep moving forward because they need. we need more deaf people like us mm. to keep going. And that was something that with me for the rest of my life in university, and I was like, I'm going to do it. Mm. Representation matters. When so you see yourself, see someone like you having done something that you want to do, it gives you that that extra like, okay, if they've done it, then I can do it too. I can stick with this. So it sounds like there was that lecturer, so an example of someone who's gone before you, paved the way done it already so it's doable exactly. and then having someone who is advocating and supporting you was key to helping you through that oh i love that i love that that's so cool oh, i'm so glad you met him thank you we need people we need people like that in our lives when i was severely depressed and i thought my life was over i was i didn't know anyone else who'd really gone through depression and anxiety at the time and i was just like I just felt like I'd been walking along a tightrope of life and that my depression and anxiety was me falling off and that like my life was ruined. And then I met my close family person connection and she shared with me that she'd actually been admitted to a psych ward and for quite a while. And I looked at her and I was like, she's doing okay. And she came out the other side of that. So I can do this too. And it's like you said, you need... We need to share these hard stories and our experiences nice. because you never know who might be losing hope and wondering, can I do this? Because maybe no one else has done this or maybe I'm the only one. That loneliness of feeling like no one else understands and then bumping into someone and how massive that can be. How life, life altering, I think, those meetings can be for people. Absolutely. I 100% agree. It's when you least expect it. That's yeah. when you meet someone. Someone comes to you like, where were you my whole life? 
Ah, oh, I'm just, I'm so glad you met that lecturer. That's just awesome to hear. And then, now you've written your book as well, there's another seed out there for another person to pick up and go, oh my gosh, she did this. And been on all these podcasts and stuff. I'm just, I'm still like, I just think that's so, so <laughs> freaking awesome. Oh, one thing I'd like to talk to you about you talk about how you often asked for why you're deaf, the reason you're not, you know, your story behind it, and then strongly state that you'll share that when you are ready. Did you always approach personal questions? Because when you have a disability, there can be those really personal questions that people feel like they almost have a right to just because they find out that you're deaf. So did you always approach personal questions from strangers like this? Or was this a boundary you developed over time? What gave you the courage to hold that sort of boundary with people? I, I'm really different. I know a lot of people think it's a personal question for them because they want to keep the boundary. For me, I'm an open book. Okay. And I learned a lot. If you don't speak up, how are you supposed to get the help you need? Right. Right? And I learned that, especially when I'm struggling, to gain my independence. Mm. And that was something I learned because I was just like, if I constantly need assistance, why can I not just speak up yeah. and learn how to gain my independence from that mm. by just saying, hey, I am deaf, I need to accommodate me. Mm. If not, I am more than happy to bring an assistant mm. with me. And I feel like the more you advocate for yourself, the more with them, people will gain that respect for you and want to help you out more. Mm. I know some people may not respect your choices and just like, oh, just bring someone else instead then because I don't have time to repeat myself consistently, right? Mm -hmm. And so some people are very ignorant once again. But I know that when I got older, I met a lot of few people that were very accommodating. Again, everybody's different. For me personally, I don't think it's a personal question that you would tell someone. But again, everybody's different. I don't think it's personal. I just think it for your own benefit of a doubt, especially if something was to happen to you, how would they know? Mm. They'd be like, oh, shoot. Kalina never told me she was deaf. I didn't know. I'm not aware. Yeah. Right? So, for example, I remember one time I went to the bank before COVID happened. And I remember the teller, she had a very strong Chinese accent. Right. Yes. And, oh, my God. When I told you guys, I could not, I really, truly could not understand Chinese accent. However, my grandfather Chinese. Right. So I was able to pick up a little bit of the accent, but not fully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm so sorry, sir, but I'm not Chinese. I need someone else to speak for me, for you, right? And yeah. And like, no harsh feeling. I felt really harsh because that person might be trying really hard to communicate with me. Yeah. But it's just the voice, speech, and very difficult. Yeah. And so it was funny because I think not even five minutes after I left the bank, there was a five. All right. So imagine, yeah, so imagine if I didn't tell the teller that I would deaf, I need someone else to speak to me. And when I walked out with a five drill. So it actually, it's important for your experience in the world that people have that awareness of, of that so that they can accommodate and help you to be able to engage with the world fully. Exactly. Do you ever find people asking deeper questions on that, like wanting to know why you're deaf or how you got deaf or, or even like proof that you were actually deaf and things like that? Oh my God, 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> 24-7, I remember I was on the road and my hearing were chilling. I went to go put gas in my car. This gas, it's very, you guys are going to laugh, but this time it's so stupid. So I paid for my gas. And he told me, my told me, I got to, I must have turned my hearing aid and I was trying to get my cash. He stared at me. Everything okay? <laughs> and he's like, what's that thing in your ear? Don't you mind me after. He was whispering. He was whispering. I'm like, why are you whispering? <laughs> Just say it out loud. <laughs> but he was being respectful because yeah. he said, I, he didn't want to embarrass me in the door. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's a hearing aid. And I said it out loud. He's like, and even look like, whoa, this girl's so brave to say proudly that yeah. she wears hair aid. And he's like, that's a hair aid? But it's pink. <laughs> and my hair aid's actually pink. All right, yeah. It's pink, yeah. Awesome. And I'm like, yeah, you can have colors. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, really? Yeah. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not about making it. I'm, I'm going to take your catch. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm like, it's okay. He's like, honestly, I thought I would just, um, he thought I would those Bluetooth earpiece. Oh, yeah, like a headphone. He thought I would die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm just like, nah, it's a hearing aid. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you are so speechless. It's cute because some people mm. are not aware that they're different colors and you're educating them. Yeah. Especially for five seconds or five minutes of their time while working. It's, yeah. I find it very funny yeah. and very unique because you're able to educate them and then they're like, oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, their mouth did drop and his mouth dropped the whole time when I was talking for five minutes about my hearing yeah. And he's just like, I'm like, okay, sir, I gotta go. Bye bye. He's like, wait, wait. I'm like, no, sir, bye. And, I just, and he wanted to learn more. And I was like, yeah. no, sir, they're called YouTube. Go on YouTube and look it up. Bye bye. あ、いいな。あ、ちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとちょっとち
I was like, I can't hear you. And then yeah. I'm reclining and pointing and so sorry. And sometimes I have to screw that. I have to tell them I'm deaf because I cannot hear them. I don't want them to think I'm just saying pointing, pointing because I'm just being lazy to have a conversation. Yeah. And so I eventually have to tell them. So that was something that I did develop because everybody thinks different my situation yeah. and of course there's a lot of uncomfortable questions they ask me a lot of times they're like oh like how do you become deaf sometimes you don't want to bring that on the table on your first date yeah. I don't want to talk about my disability on my first date I don't want to talk about that yeah right and sometimes people like I said people take the big jump instead of taking baby steps getting to know someone yeah. instead of knowing someone for who they really are in terms of the disability like why are we talking about and then yes it's very important but at the same time it's everybody owns a decision to talk about their own disability it's yeah. not just on the first day i feel like if you talk about your disability too much on your first day it's gonna scare the person off and that's how i felt a lot of time when i was in that dating world when i go on dates and stuff yeah i don't always disclose that I have my own death. A lot of time when I do it, I avoid going to restaurants. I yeah. go to like only I do like a game activity so I can see the lips, so I can actually distract me from thinking about or avoiding to sit in front of them for just a long time. How many conversations just a long time? Yeah. I avoid that. Yeah. I try my best to avoid that. Just so that they're not thinking like is she trying to kiss me or is she not? Why is she keep looking at my lips? Yeah. So many questions, right? Yeah. I try my best to avoid that. So that's something I get really, like, my anxiety develops really a lot, especially when I first time meet someone. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just when I first meet them, I just, like, oh, my God, I need to remember. Stop looking at the lip too much. Like, you know, like, I'm always, like, and sometimes I overthink too much, too, especially when I meet somebody for the first time. And, you know, and like the all say you're so beautiful, like you inspire me a lot. And not even kind of time all the guys say, oh, you inspire me, inspire me, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, 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 I know that. I get that like 24 seven. Thank you. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm really inspiring. Can we talk about something else? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And you're so pretty. You're so beautiful. Oh my God. And the one thing I don't like about, especially when I first yeah. meet someone, when I first tell them that I'm deaf. Or oh, going down the dating life, they always say their term. It pisses me off. Always, they always say like you're too pretty to be deaf or something like that. And it's just like you can't yeah. say that to someone. Like that's rude and disrespectful. And a lot of not just guys, but like people need to be really aware of how they use their words a lot of time. Like mm-hmm. I get that a lot. Like people are like, oh my god, you're so pretty to be deaf. What the hell did that mean? What are deaf people supposed yeah. to look like? What's that supposed to say about all the other deaf people? Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, I didn't even know. You're insulting a whole community of people, insulting a whole community of people to try and compliment one person. It's like, there's that comment people say about girls, yeah. you're not like the other girls. And it's like, well, what was that supposed to mean about all the other women? Those sort of comments, they're, they're not as complimentary as they exactly. people think they yeah. are. So that is definitely my anxiety when it comes to dating because I don't want them to take advantage of me just because I am deaf and also because a lot of times too, I don't want them to think like, mm. okay, Camille's deaf, I need to order her food for her. What if she can't hear the waitress? Or what if, you know, some people can cross the line right. of boundary when they're trying to be assistant even though they just met you. And that's why I always tell people, act before you do anything right. because, you know, you are going to make a feel mm. uncomfortable especially it took a year to build up in our independent so you have to really act before anything because you're going to interfere one bad impression two you will impact our independent 100 percent. heard a saying when we don't do anything for someone that they can do for themselves and that's that importance of allowing people to maintain as much of their independence as they have and not just take it away from them because trying to be nice. Exactly. Because that sounds like that has a big impact on how you feel about yourself and when people try to take that away, that what you can do. Yeah. 
thank you so much for sharing about that. I know it's quite a <laughs> quite a personal topic to talk about dating, but it's something that so many people struggle with dating and we all have our different things that we bring to dating and to be able to negotiate that. I love how you found other ways of doing dates and I actually really hate the sitting in a restaurant opposite somebody and just having to kind of come up with conversation. I'd much rather do something with somebody <laughs> if I'm getting to know them for the first time. I'm just like, let's just do something together and we'll chat while we're doing it. Like, let's not just eat food and like, so what do you do? Right? I'm like, I just couldn't do it. Fair enough. Like, I like it when I was young. <laughs> I like it when I was young because I was getting free dinner, free lunch, free breakfast. I was young, you know? But then when I got older and I was such a, this should, dating, it should not have to be sitting in front of each other, eating, forcing a conversation. That's the one thing I hate about going on a date to dinner at the first date because you're forcing a conversation. Yeah. So, and when you're, and there's some people who are awkward, right? And there's some people who don't like conversation. So I'd rather go around the dating and just create a whole brand new conversation instead of yeah. sitting in front of each other having a forced conversation where we're actually doing something we can like, oh my god yeah you scored so good and, yeah you know like something to keep it moving yeah i think so i think first dates that involve some form of activity is a great idea because yeah it just takes that pressure off as well and you can i feel you get a vibe from people from so much more than just what they say it's like just how mm-hmm. they are as a person and i think that's so valuable to get that that impression of somebody and I think it's easier to get that when you're doing something because you're not so focused on yourself as well so you're more yourself yeah yeah you talk about your experience at the dinner table and I think we've talked about this a bit with that the dating as well you say I can't keep up with everybody and I think this is a situation where there's more than one person with you at, at a meal time so I choose not to talk you say in your book um, how does it feel when this happens? Is there a common experience when you're deaf? Are there things that can be done to help or at least increase that understanding and that inclusion in those sort of situations? So a lot of time in dinner table, it's really having to like kind of move my head consistent. Mm-hmm. And especially if there's like a long rectangular dinner table and someone maybe talk at the end of the table, you can't hear them or see the lips. So that's what makes it very difficult but luckily my dining table is not big yeah it's very small thank goodness so every time I have a dinner table with my family I'm able to um, see the lips and hear them however especially when there's background noise especially when they're playing music in the background because I know a lot of people like to have music in the background just to keep it going mm-hmm. um but especially like family functioning right yeah. When there's so many people, for example, the holiday's coming up, yeah. Christmas is coming up, Thanksgiving is coming up. You have so many people yelling, shouting, and you're like, whose voice am I listening to? Yeah. So there are different voices that I'm hearing. So it's very difficult to keep up because this person may say something and then the next person talks about a different topic. And you're like, wait, how do we get to that topic to that topic? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, I can't entertain no more. My ears are tired. I'm going to rest my ears. Good night. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, there's times where I'm like, oh, you two can have a conversation. I clocked out. Goodbye. Yeah. And there's times where, like, I clock myself out. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be on my phone. I need a break from the hair wall. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> like, you know, it can Fair be enough. very draining, mm. especially having to look at people's lips and just moving your head. Sometimes my eye hurts because... I want to sleep. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm tired. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> right? So there are times where I have to keep my eyes open. But once again, I'm so used to it because I've been deaf since I was four. Mm. I was reading lips since I was four. So it is draining and tiring, especially when it's family gathering and holidays. It can be super draining. Mm. However, I try my best to be in conversation as much as I can. I'm not going to force myself to have a conversation. My family respect that, you know, it is difficult for me to hear everybody. But my family is very good at just making sure, like, hey, do you hear what this person said? I'm like, no, what did that person say now? And then I'm like, okay, can that person did it? I'm like, okay, cool. I don't, I'm like, okay, thank you. Like, you know, my family always um, assist me with conversation. Like, oh, like, do you hear this person? I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, sometimes they're waiting for I'm, like, trying to talk. And then they're like, okay, yeah. So my family is really good at that. So I don't really feel like an issue when it comes to my family. 
um, or just more of like when you go out with your friends too, right? A big dinner restaurant, birthday party, to yeah. a club. That's when things I'm just like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just yeah. like next level of just so many different sounds hitting you all at once. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I used to have my fun, you know, in college and, you know, party was the thing, right? And there are times where I'm just like, I want to go home early. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Time for bed. No, yeah. just, just everything. I'm just, understand what you love for my ears too, right? Yeah. So I really have to be very careful and be cautious about the down in the club. But I used to be late for the party too. And, you know, but then I just stop. Yeah. I find clubs too loud to hear myself. So if you've got a hearing challenge on top of that, oh, man. Just, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Too much. It is. I love how your family, sounds like your family is a big part of, of your resilience to be able to tackle challenges yeah. because you've got the supportive base and it sounds like you've got a sense of belonging and inclusion within your family that when things are said, you are included by checking, did you hear that? You know, did you hear what so-and-so was talking about? I'll kind of fill you in. It's really cool to hear that and I think... So important so that you don't have that loneliness in your family and that you feel connected to them. It really comes across. 100% true. Yeah. Nah, no one feels by themselves. My family were very tight family. Mm. Um, we're not one of those families that just talk to each other like once a month type of thing. Yeah. That's definitely not my family. Like, we literally live like 10 minutes from each other. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Like, that's how close we are, you know? But we talk on FaceTime every other day, uh, once a week, but never once a month. That's not yeah. my family, because we're too close. And also, too, because my goth sister and my godmother and my cousin were all close in age, like, literally two years apart, three years apart, four years apart, five years apart. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's, like, ten of us. It's, like, like, I think it was, like, 12 of us. Yeah, there's 12 of us. Yeah, and we're all close in age in our 20s. Yeah, from 20 to 25 yeah uh, yeah literally yeah having a big group of cousins is so cool it's so amazing i love it if it wasn't for them oh my god i love them yeah that's so awesome to have that i have quite a big family on my side and we have a holiday home we go to um over summer and and we spend like a couple of weeks together all in one place <laughs> it's like madness but it's so cool to have that sort of connection and i can see it really came through in your book how important that grounding was for you and that support. And it's so cool that even though they started from a place of not knowing anything about what it is to support someone with deafness, they've grown, they've put in the effort, it sounds, to be able to support you. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. They always ask me, they always make sure, like, even when I tell them, like, yeah, like, recently I have a new hearing aid and, like, can you hear better? Like, what's the different versus the old one? And um, I would tell them. And they're like, okay. Okay, and they, and they make me feel normal, you know, they don't treat me different, you know, and I know some families may treat a family member different because they have a disability, and they're trying to help them, like we mentioned before, sometimes you can't overstep helping, you just have to know your boundaries, yeah. and I think my families are pretty good at that, I don't have to tell them I can't stop, yeah. but, you know, so, yeah. my families are willing to help no matter what, so, oh. I will take the help, I mean, it gives me a break. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> It's been so great chatting to you. Just lastly, if you could share one piece of advice with people in our audience, what would that be? I just want to say that, you know, um, don't let disability define who you are. You may be one chance away from it, mm. but you have to live your life to the fullest no matter what comes to life. What obstacle, anything in there, because you just never know what tomorrow brings you. Mm. You just never know. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. If people are wanting to connect with you or get, because you have a coaching business, so can you tell us how we can connect with you and um, learn more about you and maybe even share the title of your book would be really cool so people can look it up. Definitely. So I will start with the book. Uh, yeah. So my book is called Every Day I Am Dressed Up. You can find it on Amazon. Secondly, my coaching business is really for young professionals who have a disability from 15 to 35 years old. Awesome. I'll be working one-on-one. I will be doing group. I will be doing family. That kind of gives them that support and mentor how to navigate around the disability life and really teach 
family and individual, how they can overcome the self-esteem, depression, and anxiety just because I've been through it too yeah. and I understand where you're coming from. So, and that's where I am. You can find me on my website, which is KalinaEmpowerment.com or you can find me on Deaf Queen Box on Instagram. And please, I beg everybody to please put podcast where you hear me from because yeah. I get too many DMs, yeah. seriously, and I'm like, where did you find me? How do you know me? Okay, okay. If you put podcast, please, in the DM. Just say podcast. Hey, Kalina, I heard from you. I'd love to hear about your service. Please send me your website or anything like that. And yeah. Awesome. And we'll put all of those contacts into our show notes. So thank you so much for joining me, Kalina. It's been amazing. Like uh, such an incredible conversation. You have you have an inspiring story. <laughs> I know you hear that a lot. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but um, it really is. And it's been so amazing to have you challenge the anxiety of talking to a hearing person and jump on a podcast and share your story. So thank you very much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. That's it for this week's episode. If you found this episode helpful, make sure to click the follow button and please do share this with your family and friends. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. That's at Anxiety Specialists. And if you're interested to learn how you can live an anxiety-free life, you can get our epic Anxiety Reducer Guide absolutely free so you can get started right away on getting your anxiety back down. Just grab the link in the show notes. Feel free to message us and let us know what you'd like to learn next. I am your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. And we're going to be back next week with more tips, strategies, and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve.